everyone, and welcome to Goddard in the World podcast. My name is Sam Rebeline, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Amanda Faye Laxon. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Yay. How are you doing today, Amanda? I'm doing great! We've just been having a conversation about a bunch of spooky things for like half an hour. So. Yeah, we've just been awesome. chatting. <laughs> um, everything from... Uh, mastodon the like mm-hmm. quote-unquote new twitter to um yeah uh hannibal lecter it's been yeah a fun little chat yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but actually you know sort of uh on topic because our guest today is uh, another sort of spooky author today we talked to amy s cutler uh, mm-hmm. who was a friend of mine while I was at Goddard. And I, I thought we had a nice, like, it, it felt like a cozy little conversation. I think yeah, her- it's kind of like um, her vibe. It feels like cozy mystery type thing. Um, mm-hmm. And um, her book is a, like ghost romance, which I uh, am very excited about. <laughs> like, <I laughs> we think should check really it out. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like the world of it. I think she does a mm-hmm. good job, like describing um, sort of the fall flavor of this little town that it takes mm-hmm. place in. And I, I just thought it was uh, very cozy. But you know, don't mistake me calling it cozy. Yeah. It's it's also spooky yeah. um, and twists and turns abound. You know, nice. So. And she had said it, in our interview, she said that she didn't set out to write a romance um because that's not really her <laughs> style um yeah. so when you were at goddard together um and you're you you guys are in a writing group now um mm-hmm. what kind of things does she usually write like how would you describe her writing um i, I would say you know some of her short fiction tends to be um, a little spookier and a little more like cutthroat um, mm-hmm. because she is such a nice like person. And <laughs> I think that her writing is like really effective when she uses that voice and then mm. whatever character is in that voice, then all of a sudden like skin someone alive. I, I feel like that's always really effective. <laughs> oh yeah. That is like very spooky. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I always really enjoy uh, when she brings stuff into the group. Um, I remember hearing pieces of Shadow of Love at Goddard. Um, oh, cool. Like part of the prologue or, or what, you know, became the prologue, I think, um, and things like that. So it's cool to see all of that sort of come to fruition. You know, books have such a long, uh, like, life, yeah. you know, to, like to just to get to publication. Period. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you hear something and then like three years later, the book is done and in print and you're like, oh, yeah, I sort of remember this from, you know, who even yeah. knows where. Um, so, how about, yeah, it's cool. How about you? Because uh, your book is still like forthcoming. Is it? Yeah. It, I mean, are you relating to that right now? <laughs> like the long gestation <laughs> period? Like when's yeah. the first time you read something from your book to be oh, from shared this it? novel? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like th- almost four years ago at this point. Because yeah. um, I had So that the... would be Goddard time, right? Or... Yeah, I had the. Uh, I, I was working on um, short stories that take place in the same world that the novel takes place in. And then I had um, the nightmare that inspired 
the novel and so that was sort of kicking around um as this undercurrent through the short stories and then um ended up becoming sort of the catalyst for the novel in the last like two years or so but yeah it's a process i got to see um one of my favorite authors kelly link give a talk on writing yesterday nice um She's great. Um, her book, Magic for Beginners, was a huge inspiration for me while I was at Goddard. And oh, um, cool. yeah, she's really fun. Um, but one of the questions that she got yesterday was, um, you know, her book, uh, Pretty Monsters, is the big read this year. And one of the women in the audience. What What is the big read? <laughs> I th- I've never it done really. it. I don't um, know what it is. <laughs> it's... it's uh, like from and and listeners please like write into the show tell us how i'm wrong <laughs> um but i it seems like sort of a program that's set up to like get everybody reading uh, to, to just to get like the community reading you know and so they okay. choose one book that's like we're all going to read this book together and we'll talk about it and have events oh, and like discussions and stuff yeah, so it's just yeah, like yeah. you know designed to get like communities engaged in the act of reading I, that is what cool. i sort of read it as um yeah i think there was that there was something like that in new york that uh, like we had to vote on a book this was years ago but like um we had to vote on on like a book to like all read together as a as the city (laughs) (laughs) put aside our differences yeah just all read one book and uh you know nine million people reading one book which would be pretty cool (laughs) now that would be a big read yeah (laughs) it's a pretty big read but there were four books i don't remember any of them right now and um, the one I voted for didn't win, so I didn't oh, read no. the book. <laughs> I didn't read whatever book got like selected. I was yeah. like, nah, never mind. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so the big read, um, Kelly, Kelly. Yeah. Link. Oh. So um, yeah, Kelly Link. Uh, her book, Pretty Link. Monsters, and one woman in the audience was like, "Well, you know, your stories are really resonant. Uh, like you." talk about a lot of things that are happening now and i wonder like uh did you set out to talk about current events or like to write about things that are happening now and kelly link was like i don't even really know what you mean because i wrote the book came out a decade ago which means that i was writing these stories over a decade ago wow so in whatever way you think that these stories connect to current events uh i sure you know, um, and that that is sort of how I feel that like you're working so long on mm-hmm. the same set of ideas, and you sort of watch other pieces like do similar ideas, and they come and go, and mm-hmm. um, it just takes a while, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess I am thinking about that because I, I want my I'm impatient. I'm like I want to share now, <laughs> right? Uh, but. No, oh, that's awesome. What what else did um, Kelly Link have to say at the time? Uh, she uh, one thing that really stuck with me that I'm gonna have to try to employ in my own writing is that she now is trying to move around when she writes. So, mm-hmm. like to write with her whole body. You know, she said um, when she has ideas, they usually come when she's like walking around or in the shower or whatever and i was like oh yeah of course so why would i 
not be doing those things when I'm actually writing. You know, right. if, if taking a walk is the thing that sparks yeah. an idea, how, how do you like take a walk as you're writing? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. so I bought a standing desk and a treadmill. No, <laughs> that would be um, impressive. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah. But... If I had the kind of money to like drop on that, right? <laughs> like... But also, like the treadmill. <laughs> I don't know. Like I was writing I was trying to write in my journal the other day and um I was watching Rafa my nine-month-old um and he of course was interested in what I was doing and kept trying to grab my pen (laughs) And, um, and I tried to give him his own paper and his own marker and all of that and showed him like but he's he's nine months old he didn't, he didn't care he was just like no I yeah. want your pen and I gave him my pen but then just got another pen but then he wanted to you know have his hand on the pen that I was using <laughs> so, uh, which is very cute so I tried writing while like he had his hand on me and um it's pretty difficult (laughs) yeah yeah so I don't know how I mean obviously that's like a force that's like actively working against you but like (laughs) the treadmill and like typing or even like you know I don't know I don't know how you would do that like no I don't know either but I do appreciate the idea that like uh, you know, when I'm sitting at my desk and she mm-hmm. said this, like, uh, it's the same spot where you're answering emails and doing other things. Right. So giving yourself like a specific space to be creative, like you're not answering yeah. emails when you're on a walk. That's true. So, yeah, but, you know, sort of giving yourself that space. I was like, hmm, that is a good thought. Like, how do yeah. I uh, employ that in my own? Sure. My own shit. Do you write by hand or do you always type? I always type. So I feel like it just like happens so fast that if I'm trying to handwrite, I can't keep up with it. Um, right. And then I get frustrated and then I misspell things and I don't, I don't know where I am anymore. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but you write by hand, you... I do. Uh, I mean, I I also type, but like typically when I'm like, just starting out something like and trying you know trying to I try to like free write my way at the beginning and then um and so for me that act like means like using my hand um Mm -hmm. yeah like so if I had the time and space and I I could I just have not prioritized it but like I could take a walk and take my journal and like go to the park and like you know write for a little bit um and I have done that before but like it's just been a while um yeah but it would be harder with a computer i think for me um yeah do that i used to when i lived by greenwood i would go uh up there all the time with a notebook and a novel and like oh that's cool yeah that was that was really nice i liked living right by there if you're listeners if you live in brooklyn check out yeah. greenwood cemetery oh my god it's, it's so quiet. beautiful so nice it's it's huge as well and historical yeah. like it's it's just a gorgeous space my husband curtis loves cemeteries like old cemeteries <laughs> like nice. and so um yeah so like he he took me out there once and i was like this place is beautiful like it's, yeah. you know i took a ton of pictures like it's 
very spooky, but they have like really yep. cool like art events and you know yeah, lots of programs. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very cool. I went on a like distillery tour there, um, mm. so like visited graves of like famous distillers and stuff. Oh. I don't know, and then like went to the, everyone got on like a little trolley or whatever and went to a distillery um, ah. at the end of the tour. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Greenwood Cemetery. It's been here for many like hundreds of years i think <laughs> longer right longer than like, you have longer listeners. than most yeah <laughs> most people here yeah. yeah so um like speaking of like place and everything like one of the things i loved about our conversation with amy is that she mm-hmm. lives on a mountain and i don't yeah. know anything about that <laughs> like, oh. so i was asking her a bunch of questions about living on a mountain Oh, and how how like place figures into her writing, um, because because yeah. it it seems to really affect her the like the mountain, but then also like these houses that she grew up in or that her parents live mm-hmm. in and stuff like that. Yeah, which is very cool. Yeah, I was going to mention some specifics, but I yeah. will not spoil. Yeah. that's that's a good transition actually you know without Mm. further ado here's our conversation with amy s cutler uh and here are all the things that i did not spoil (laughs) awesome enjoy Amy S. Cutler is a writer who earned her master's degree in creative writing from Goddard College. Her work can be found in Tales to Terrify, Wow Women on Writing, The Pick and Review, Wellness Universe, and Elephant Journal. Her novel, A Shadow of Love, was released in May of 2022 from Black Rose Publishing. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, She can be contacted through amyshippiehut.com. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Best website name ever. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. How did, uh, why Amy's Hippie Hut? Um, I don't know. I used to have a cute little cabin in Pennsylvania, like literally in the middle of nowhere. And I only did, I wrote there. Um, I didn't always write there, but it was always my intention to go there and write. So even when I started writing, sometimes I would like think of the cabin, right? I would kind of put myself mm. in there. It was like my, my happy place in my mind. So that became Ooh. like my writing state of mind, I guess. Oh, that's oh, cool. That's Do cool. You, yeah. Yeah. Do you still have that like mental image that you pull up like a, a memory palace or whatever they call it? Like, do you still go totally. there? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times I'm, I write and to me, I'm sitting at the little table in my, in my little hippie hut. That's Aww. awesome. When did you have that? <laughs> um, we had it for about six years, five years maybe. And we just sold it uh, last summer, mm-hmm. which is sad, but we actually upgraded to something with electric and water. So I'm not really too sad about it. (laughs) Oh, wow. All that time and you never had electricity or. Yeah. So to get there, it was like up this um, like goat trail, this wooden trail. And it was like really steep and rocky and it would get washed out all the time by rain. And so when we'd get there, yeah, no water, electricity, but we had some solar battery stuff. So we 
had lights, but yeah, <laughs> it was, wow. it was roughing it. <laughs> but you like park at the bottom of the goat trail and then you have to like walk all the way up? No, we, we drove up. Oh, okay. Yeah. You. So we have a Jeep. So we would just take the, take the Jeep up the, the bouncy trail. It was fun. It was like so much fun until it wasn't. And then it was too much. <laughs> and my husband's like, you know, we really could think about getting a cabin with electric and something that's plowed. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's Amy's glamping hut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Awesome. I wonder if the quality of your writing will change uh, in the electric <laughs> with lights on <laughs> um well maybe not because a lot of times like i'll turn the lights off because i think like you got to be in a scary environment to write scary stuff so i just put myself back there love it well that feels like a great segue to my first question for you amy um you know you're talking about the importance of having a mental place to go and like a ritual to sort of have when you're entering a writing space. And you mentioned on your website that you grew up around Mount Peter, which is where uh, you live now, right? Um, yep. You And you spent your summers uh, dreaming up stories, which is the phrase <laughs> you use on your website that I love, because um, I really connect to that as an only child who spent most of my summers alone in my backyard like, <laughs> to do than like enjoy yeah, stories you totally. know um so can you tell us more about how stories came into your life when you were little so yeah so i spent a lot of time growing up in the woods with my dog right like i was not an only child i have a sister but she was older than me and when we were young she didn't always want to hang out with me so i would just have adventures every day i'd go off into the woods and there was a stream and I don't know, we just had all sorts of <laughs> fun. So I had a lot of time to just kind of uh, play in my imagination. And I had, I had two dogs, a Doberman and a poodle. And me and my poodle would go out on the bottom of the mountain. We have this giant, we had, it got blown up a few years ago to my complete dismay what it was my what playhouse well people started skiing into it oh, a little okay. bit it became, it became more of a hazard so my brother-in-law um yes he he blew it up and i was like so upset i was like i'm gonna lay in front of this rock and he's like well you go right ahead but you're gonna get blown up too so the rock is oh, gone no. yeah but that was my playhouse i had like a bedroom section and a kitchen section so I had anything that I wanted to happen in my mind was happening like on the hill oh my gosh that's so that's cool. awesome. a weird no like to me that sounds like I don't know talk everlasting or something like oh, yeah. like one of those like really lovely like in the woods stories I, I didn't grow up in um the woods <laughs> or um I but for me, like I grew, I I grew up in Canada, but um, my most memorable times were in Halifax when I was like six to like six years old to nine years old, and a lot of that time I was like playing outside because the temperatures like it's pretty temperate a lot of the year, and so 
I don't, uh, we would walk to school by ourselves um, at that age. And I don't know if kids do that now, but like, um, (laughs) we would walk to school and then coming back, my mom would like, I would be super delayed coming back. And my mom would be like, where were you? I'm like, I was looking at the river and she's like, what river? And one time I think she followed me and she saw me like just it, it, it was like runoff from like a drain pipe and it was just like going oh. over these like little rocks, <laughs> like this gravel path uh that I would take to the, <laughs> to the to school so I don't know what I would do in like uh you know that kind of environment like I mean that's super rich that kind of um play space <laughs> I love it yeah, it was a lot of fun. And and in the winter, you know, we always had so many people around us. And then summertime came and it was like we were alone. And mm. that's kind of my requirement now. Once once winter's over, I need to be alone and uh-huh. I need to be outside. Um, okay. Yeah, and that's when I'm my most creative for sure. So do you feel like those seasons sort of start to shift on like an emotional level before they happen? Because like... I, for me, um, the fall, like sort of right now, we're just beginning to transition into fall. Um, and that feels very exciting to me uh, on like a weird sort of instinctual level. Cause I guess I'm like, Oh, new school year, like new me, you know, I get a new haircut, even though I'm like not starting school or anything, you know? Um, but do you feel that when you start to feel your creativity shift with the seasons? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Around October is when we start getting busy to prep for the mountain. So it's kind of like that same. It's that smell in the air and the crispness. And that's when we start. That's when my brain starts switching from like, life is great to now it's time to go, you know, do serious work. Mm. Um, And that's when my creativity kind of starts to slide. Although I do try and, you know, stay in the game as much as I can. Uh. So when you say your creativity starts to slide and um, when like the prep for the mountain, I don't live on, (laughs) I've never lived on a mountain. So what, (laughs) first of all, what is that prep? What does that prep look like? And how is, how does the creativity sliding, like, how does that look as well? Right. So um, we're a ski area. And, you know, as soon as it starts to get cold, people start thinking about skiing. So it's like when we bring in a lot of our staff and we have meetings almost every day to talk about our pricing and, you know, what we have to do to open and all the changes and marketing. So everything starts like gearing up to open. And then we become so hyper-focused on winter. It takes up a lot of space in my brain. Your day job is um, at a ski ski lodge or ski area um okay so so that's yeah so i can see how the administrative self would take over right (laughs) i'm right (laughs) yes it's like trying to use both sides of your brain at the same time but does it feed into your writing at the same time as well i mean you must meet so many people who give you ideas for characters it's just one example like oh my gosh yeah all winter long I'm like oh that that guy would make a good story and I'll just talk to people and I'm like so tell me more (laughs) and I just kind of like try and remember like little things you know just little even cool mannerisms about people that I meet Mm. try to hold on to them for when I'm ready to explore them Mm. 
And does that give you a good sense about people too? Like, can you kind of tell, oh, this guy's going to be trouble for the mountain or this? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we've been doing this so long that we can get a read on people pretty quickly. How long have you been doing it? Uh, Since I was born. So, yeah, so my parents um, bought the mountain, I don't know, two, three years before I was born, and we live here. So I grew up here, yeah, so I was working from the, as soon as we were, like, old enough to see the tables, we were washing the tables. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Um, How, has the mountain ever um, fed into your, like, appeared in your work, I guess? I wrote one short story about there's a there used to be a prison down the street and they used to have people break out and they would break out and they would come right here because we're the closest route to New York City. They would come up over the mountain. Um, So I wrote one short story about somebody, you know, breaking out of prison and coming and like murdering people. But after that, people always say to me that they want me to write stuff about the mountain. But it's so like close that I. I would either have no friends or family, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Even if it's fiction, you know, because your life yeah. leads into your your fiction. So I I try and stay away. But mm-hmm. I'm sure the people do appear in the stories. Do you get pushback like that against your writing? I mean, I, I just read A Shadow of Love, and I thought it was great. Um, but there are so many spooky things in there. Like, do people? Do you get a sense that people are spooked by you because of what you write ever? Oh, yeah. People, yes. <laughs> Especially the people, yeah, the people that, that work here. And, you know, I'm close to a lot of people here. So they read my stories and then they like pass them around. And I'll always know when somebody read something that I wrote that's creepy because I'll walk in the office and they'll be like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> What is that like? Does that bother you at all? I mean, that always sort of gets under my skin when I get that from folks. Oh, you know, no, I'd rather them think I'm a little bit weird um, because then just think that I'm like their boss, right? Or that like all I care about is work. Like it kind of lets us connect a little bit on something other than work. Mm. So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I like it. They can think I'm weird. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. a little eccentric or a little yeah. boss. Yeah. yeah, right. And that way, if I act weird, they're just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is nice. That's a nice, like, buffer to have, I suppose. Right, yeah, yeah, it's a nice buffer. It's, yeah, just, it gives us something that we can discuss that's not, um, you know, about skiing, which mm-hmm. helps a lot. Did you write a lot when you were a kid growing up on the mountain? I wrote a lot. So it was a weird life being really busy in the winter and having all these people around, but that weren't necessarily my friends, right? So it's like all these people around, but no one necessarily real close. And then like silence in the summer. So writing was an outlet for me to have a real human connection, even if it was a, in my mind, human connection. Right, because I didn't have like a lot of close friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I always wondered if I would be a writer if I was like a normal kid who grew up in a neighborhood and had like regular people around all the time. <laughs> but you know, lucky for me, I didn't. So I learned how to I learned how to make up stories. Well, and when did you begin 
um, like doing things with your stories, you know, because I also grew up writing stories, but then they would just like sit in my house. It wasn't until like after college that I started to be like, okay, so how do I actually like submit these <laughs> to magazines and things like that? So when did that outlet become something that you were like, oh, I actually want to do this? Yeah, know? I would say it was after I graduated from Goddard or even when I was in mm -hmm. school, because I mean, like stupid me, I never realized how many journals there were, right? Like online and, and physical, like I, I didn't know. I didn't know about a lot of the podcasts and stuff. Uh, I never really occurred to me that I could do something with my writing. Uh, the only time, the only way I ever really use my writing is at work. I do the the creative marketing stuff. So I do the, the letters and the making it pretty and trying to connect with people uh, through blogs and words and stuff like that. Hmm. So I've used it for a while, but not create, you know, not my creative stories. Hmm. That's interesting. So then how did you end up at Goddard? If it wasn't until oh. after you left that you were like. <laughs> right. Um, so I've always known that I wanted to be an author, but I never really, like, that was something I was going to do, you know, later when I retired, when I'm 140. When I'm yeah, you write your business. memoirs and whatever. Right. Yeah. right. But like, you start getting older and it's like, well, like, is this really all that there is for me in life? So I just, I, and my cousin, he went to school and got his master's degree in creative writing. I couldn't tell you where he went. He wrote a book. He had it published. And I was like, that's really cool. And then I was just like walking through my house one day and I'm like, I'm going to go to school. Why wouldn't I go to school? Because it'll force me to finish a book, mm -hmm. right? That's all I ever need. I start. And I mean, I still, I'm like a serial starter. I start mm -hmm. so many things and I don't finish them and I, I need to be accountable. So I just had this like epiphany. I went on my phone. Goddard was one of the first schools that I found. And just by the looks of it, right, like that old school kind of feel, I was like, oh, that's where I'm going. Hmm. Wow. Did it feel um, kind of familiar to you in a way? Like, what was it that that you saw in, like, on the website or whatever that, like, you felt connected to? Yeah, it just felt very comfortable. Um, I love Vermont. I went to uh, college in Vermont, Green Mountain College, which oh, okay. has sadly just closed a few years ago. Oh. Um, so, yeah, really sad. Uh, so I love Vermont. I love it up there. I love, you know, the trees and the nature and like the expanse of everything. And then Goddard is in Vermont and like just the, the grounds. I, don't, I just felt comfortable. Yeah. Like I felt comfortable there right away. Mm. Wow. So what was your first experience stepping onto campus like? Um, you said you loved it right away, but what was that? I don't know. What, what did that, what was, what did it feel like? <laughs> it was scary. So I, my first semester was in the winter. So I was leaving my, all my children to fend for themselves, uh, okay. which was hard for me. And I left really late because I was at work. I had to finish payroll before I left. So it was snowing. It took me like eight hours to get there. I got there so late and there it was snow everywhere and I didn't know where to go, right? Because you think you're going to get there in the daylight. So I didn't really do a lot of research, like where to go, I mean, who does? So I ended up like walking in the back and I was like, where in the heck am I? And then I check in and they give me my key and I was put in, 
I don't remember the name of where I stayed, but it was not where everyone else stayed. It was like over by itself. Hmm. Uh, wasn't in the main dorm. And I was the only person there that night because everyone else was gotten there the next day. And I was so freaking scared because obviously it's haunted. And I was just like, oh my God, like A, what have I done? And B, this is so freaking cool. (laughs) So I knew it would be a good creative experience regardless of how the rest of it played out. And you've, I mean, we've talked about ghosts before, you and I. So Amy and I overlapped, I think, by two semesters, because that was winter of 2019 or 2018. Is that when you started? I think so, yeah. That could be right. All right. So we overlapped by three semesters. Not that, neither here nor there. But um, we've talked a lot about ghosts, uh, you and I, and uh, you're like, oh, Goddard is clearly haunted, which I absolutely agree with. Um, <laughs> but I know that you also have so many other ghost stories um, from before Goddard and since. So can you tell us more about your experiences with, um, I guess, sort of spooky things and ghosts in general and how that started to enter your writing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started when I was really young, when I was a, a little, I don't know how old I was. Um, I don't know, say eight, nine. My dog died. So she was, forget I said that. When I was like eight, <laughs> I had a poodle, my best friend. And I had a dream one night. She came to me in my dream and she says, you know, you need to come with me. She was talking to me. And she brought me down to the horse barn. We had a horse and she brought me to the horse and she said, be careful. That was it. A couple days later, the horse kicked the dog and killed her. So that was like my first, like, like scared the crap out of me experience. And then I don't know, like within that year, she started appearing. She would be in our living room, which was at the mountain, like kind of sitting in front of these French doors and. I saw her one night, my sister, my uncle, my aunt, like so many people have seen her just like sitting, you know, just sitting there watching. Um, And then fast forward to when I was in high school, my best friend came to pick me up and I had had another poodle by then. And Mm -hmm. he says to me, oh, well, you have to let Angel in, you know, Angel's still outside. I was like, no, Angel's right here. Um, So he saw her. And then way upstate at my parents' house where the book takes place, which is five hours upstate, one night I was laying in my bed and we have, I have twin beds in that room. And I woke up in the morning and there was a, in the next bed, there was like a nice little poodle print in the pillow, right? And, but my dog was in her box that night. Like she slept in her box that night. So just like she kind of followed me around for a long time. Um, she would appear in nightmares. I would have nightmares that her and my current poodle were like talking to me just, but it, it, I was always really scared. It was like a really scary thing that they were both there. And then what one day. Saying to you? Do you remember? Or was it... I don't remember, but I don't think it was anything like malicious. I think it was just that there was both of them and I knew that one was dead hmm. and they were just talking to me. And then one day we were cleaning out my parents' attic and I found her uh, collar and I like broke down and I was like, I'm so sorry I replaced you. And, you know, you're my best friend. And that was it. I've never seen her again. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. That's such a, yeah. uh, 
but a nice way to sort of have hauntings enter your life you know that's very benign compared right. to like <laughs> a ghost story that you could have but but you have um i, I think less benign stories as well right? yeah so my parents house upstate it's 100 percent haunted and they that doesn't bother them, right? Like they don't really have any encounters I or they do and they just don't say anything to me. I won't sleep there anymore. My mom does not understand why, but we've had so many things happen there. We have um, had a window fly open, you know, like you walk into the room and the window flies open. The rocking chair will just like rock back and forth. Um, there's a a quarter that my mom keeps in the guest room, which has this mm. weird history and it'll like flip itself every once in a while. Radios oh. turn on and off. We do play or we used to play the Ouija board there quite often. So I'm not like surprised by these. <laughs> Is that the, yeah. house, the house you grew up in? Um, so it's where we spent a lot of our summers. Okay. weekends right like so my parents bought this property in house upstate and they would pick us up from school on friday we would stay the weekend there and then we'd come back and then we'd spend chunks of time there in the summer until i was old enough to stay home because it it yeah it scared me a little bit i love it there so much but at night i just i can't sleep so my best story is um just a couple years ago maybe 10 years ago I was sleeping in my bedroom and my mom's cat had kittens. So the kittens are really annoying, right? And they meow half the night. So I hear the kittens downstairs meowing. And then I hear a lady, I thought it was my mom, go to the kittens and like shush them. And oh, it's okay. The kittens quieted down. I was like, oh, thank God. Well, in the morning, I was like, oh my God, the kittens were so annoying last night. My mom was like, what are you talking about? She didn't get up to take care of the kittens. And I was like, all right, I'm not sleeping here anymore. (laughs) Crazy. And so I imagine that like, of course, that sort of story creeps into your writing because you're like, you know, like you said, an outlet to sort of get it out, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, totally. And then sometimes it just helps you make sense of things, even if you're just making it up, right? It helps your brain to make sense of things. And then, you know, you get to do a lot of research. I research everything even if it doesn't appear so you know i try to make it kind of correct as much as it can be it's ghost story yeah so is is shadow of love um did you start working on that at goddard i started i had the idea for it before goddard i maybe had like a piece of the first chapter written okay but i i really i never said i never intended to write a love story um i don't like love stories i can't stand them and right so when i first was writing it it was just supposed to be a scary story about the house and then it turned into what it turned into (laughs) so can you tell us more about that evolution like what was the seed for the story originally like where did that first little bit of the first chapter come from before goddard and (laughs) How did it evolve into like, and you know, it's funny because I, like I said, I just read it and there were so many scenes, especially near the end when I was like, wow, Amy must really like, loves, this feels really well done. So she must really know this type of story. <laughs> well, um, I, 
anyway, so uh, clearly you you nailed it. But what was the seed, and how did that change over time? Um, you know, I don't know. So it took two years to write the story. Um, you know, it took my whole my whole being at Goddard to to finish it. And it just started out as a story about, you know, a woman who was in an abusive marriage who like ran away and that was her safe space. And I guess to me, that makes sense, right? That you would go into a a haunted house as a safe space. But at the same time, I had just gotten divorced. So I'm, you know, like I say, like my dad read it and he's, you know, he was upset and he thought that it was like my story. And I said, no, it's not my story. It's fiction, but probably a lot of Annabelle was me in the beginning, and then it morphed, you know, into and she's she's her own person. Um, but I'm sure in the beginning, Whoa. I was she. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, when did that start to shift at Goddard? Like, what was it about Goddard that helped that story evolve? Um, it was probably a lot of getting feedback from, you know, our advisors, like John was my advisor most of the time. And he gave me such great feedback that he would just kind of let me see where the story was going without telling me where to put the story. And he just like planted these little seeds in me. And then I think it was just being, being there, right? Because like, to me, it was haunted and you know kind of like a spirits place so it would let me sit more in there with the spirits and make it more about you know ghosts and afterlife and you know what could what could possibly happen Hmm. that's interesting did you have a sort of spiritual experience at goddard yes so there was this one building i can't remember any of the building's names but it was where it's like down the path. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was one of the buildings in Goddard. And I remember being there really late at night. And I think Lisa might have been with me. And it was just a weird, right? There was like stair creaking, um, just like this weird kind of energy shift. And it was like, yeah, we need to just get out of here pretty quickly, right? Like that. You can just tell when you get that energy kind of change. Um, and then I always wanted to go back in at night cause I knew they didn't lock it, but I couldn't find anyone to go with me at that time. Oh no, I would have gone. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Sam, <laughs> have you talked about like feeling haunted at, like, did you have like any haunting stories at Goddard? Yeah, actually one of my favorite, um, ghost stories, there's not a ghost in it at all. Um, but the night after, uh, my cohort graduated, um, there was a guy named Campbell in my cohort and the protagonist of my first novel's name is Campbell, but there's no relation. Um, I just think it's a nice name. (laughs) Um, but, uh, he like sort of went for a walk by himself around the campus and, um, there's that one building. I were you on the Vermont campus, Amanda? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you I, I know don't the... remember the names of most of the buildings either. <laughs> um, but you know but, the uh, the music room, that building, yeah, the like... music building, yeah, with yeah. the fire in the back, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. and the walls are covered with, with graffiti. Um, I think yeah. not anymore, actually, but I think what? they might have painted it. That's but... sad. Oh, then it's definitely haunted because. Yeah. Uh, I always felt like it was, I mean, 
that was always the night that we hung out at uh sort of on the last night of a residency mm-hmm. so it's a lot of like last night feelings yeah, yeah, for just sure. hmm. into the walls and it, you can see that or you could um in all the graffiti because a lot of it is like i'll miss this place mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. sort of you know it's all poets and artists and shit yeah. so it's like one-liners of like my heart remains or whatever yeah. you know <laughs> so it's a lot of like that image which of course i'm guilty of too i, sure. I wrote a whole thing but uh campbell went for a walk uh and came up to the music room and all the lights were on mm-hmm. uh, and he stood in front of the door and was like okay if the door opens I'll walk inside and see mm. whatever is in there. Okay. But if it doesn't, I'll just leave. And he okay. like sort of said that to the door. And he was t- he was telling us this, like, uh, I think it was me, um, Ben Hennessy and Jen Skira. Um, and we were all like, and did it open? And he was like, oh, no, I, I just walked back. <laughs> um, but I love that it feels like it is such a haunted place that – we were all so ready to accept like yeah the door opens like i remember all of us just being like i am ready to believe you know Mm -hmm. um which i suppose in general feels like the magic of goddard it's not just the place but the people who are drawn to it you know are people who do believe in the the power of things you know Mm -hmm. um i that i definitely um another night with Jen and one of the like um you know dorms down the path no one else was there I think we arrived a night early and we definitely felt (laughs) unwelcome Uh, and then my last one my room in Kilpatrick actually had a small door that we called the goblin door okay Uh, it's just the small oh was it like upstairs and like, yeah, the far end like of the, the second far floor. End, like kind of, I think I stayed in that room too. <laughs> Did you really? Get out! It was two seventeen. I, like, I was like, "This is so weird. Why is this here?" But yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it was two seventeen. Yeah. It might not have been, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was always sort of a joke. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I could talk more about. Sure. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm. I'm curious with Amy. We've talked to a couple of people who, um, surprise, surprise, <laughs> love spookiness, uh, love, <laughs> you know, are into the spooky stories. Um, but everyone approaches it really differently. And so um, I'm curious because the, the haunting at your parents' house and with your dog and like, and the Goddard um, haunting like sort of bring up um like feelings of fear or nerve you know a- anxiousness it sounds mm-hmm. like uh, with you um yet you still write in like the <laughs> ghost story milieu so what yeah. is it that um that attracts you to to that kind of writing or like just you know getting it out right. like it <laughs> Yeah, I love scary stories so much. Um, When I was younger, I used to sit um, with my back to the basement door or the attic door and I would sit in front of it and read Stephen King, but I'd sit in front of the door so that nothing could come through. So even though I was so scared, I was Mm. so happy. I grew up reading scary books, uh, watching scary movies. I just think 
maybe it's like that adrenaline release, you know, you're so scared and then it's over. I've always been attracted to it. I love, I love to be scared and I, and I get scared, right? I'm also a wuss. It's not like I, I have no fear with ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just always loved, I've always loved to be scared. And even once I started realizing like, oh, this isn't just storytelling, right? Like there, there is ghosts and, but I've never had anything so bad happen to me that it would make me not want to be in that world. Um, I just, I love it. I don't know. What's your favorite way to make a good scare or to be scared? Mm. Um, I would say anything that gets your adrenaline pumping, like scaring people right just a jump scare like literally hiding on somebody and scaring them is probably the most fun I could possibly even if it's an accident it makes me so happy when I scare people um and then it's all the time (laughs) (laughs) and it's so much fun to write something that is scary or that is a twist and people are like oh my god or oh my god I was so scared I'm just like it's like such a makes me so happy to be able to scare people because I know that like that you get that scare and then you get the relief. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, so you were like doing that for someone else. That's really interesting. I never thought about <laughs> it that way. Yeah. See, it's just a public service basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I did so much um, comedy in college. Like I did sketch comedy and improv and then I did my first like horror play, um, and got like one good scream out of the audience. And I was like, Oh, this is where it's at. Like (laughs) one thing to make like a crowd laugh, but like there was something just so much more satisfying about Mm. that scream. I think that was the moment when I was like, I, this is what I want to do, you know? Um, did you have have you had a moment like that where you're like one particular scare where you're like ooh yeah that's good <laughs> um no i don't think so but when i first started sharing my kind of twisty stories with people that i still wouldn't call them horror i don't know what genre they fall in um and people are like like oh my god right that's when i started being like oh yeah it's entertaining for people and it's you know and it's it's fun there's there's entertainment value and kind of creeping people out a little bit does your husband like horror um he likes action he tolerates horror <laughs> okay. okay that's fair enough um, i ask because uh you also mentioned on your website that your favorite days are those you get to spend knocking around story ideas with your husband which of course sounds like the dream you know a significant other who listen to your ideas and bounce things off um yeah but i wonder could you say more about how exactly your significant other fits into your creative process and what's maybe some advice you have for other people who want to engage their significant other and their <laughs> creative process and this is also a question i have for you amanda <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we do we have a lot of fun he first of all he reads everything i call him my editor he reads everything i write and he just gets such a kick out of finding my mistakes um but beyond that like we'll just be driving somewhere right like i'll pass a field and i'll be like oh my god what if you know this happened in the field and he's like well and then what if this happened and then he'll ask me questions and then like we'll start to develop this whole story Mm -hmm. so if we're in the car together on a four-hour trip upstate we can like write 
a whole story in our heads. Now we get there and he's like, write that down. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write that down. And then I usually forget to write it down. (laughs) Um, And then another thing we do is when I was doing my teaching practicum for Goddard, I was doing these character profile sheets and I showed it to him and he's like, oh, I want to fill one of these out. So together we just like sat down and filled out a bunch of character profile sheets, which was so much fun because then like he got to see the technical side of it. It's not just a person with a blue shirt, right? Like there's all these different things you have to give somebody. And then we started doing that a little bit more, which is super fun. Cause now when we like make up our stories, they have all these details. Mm. Um, but it's really useful for me. Cause if I'm writing something, I'm write really tight. Um, I like to write short stories, but I want to write novels. So I often, you know, need more words. And he's like, well, what kind of car were they driving? Right. Mm-hmm. What did their house look like? So that's, it became super helpful for me, which just started out as like a, a game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's sort of become a shorthand in our writing group. Uh, Amy and I are in a writing group together where we say like oh did you say what time of day it was like did you say if it was day or night um it's just sort of a nice shorthand for like do you have all the details in there that you could yes um but what about you amanda like yeah does curtis help you with poems or so i i'm very shy about sharing my writing or i'm trying to get better but um over the pandemic, I joined a writer's group that's like for like theater. Um, and so I started writing those like, you know, monologues and scenes. And, and I've been like, cool. you know, interested in theater for a long time. I thought that's what I was going to do in college or like afterwards. And that didn't happen. But um, <laughs> but I've loved theater like really long time. And so. Yeah, so I started doing that, and so, like, yeah, more recently, that writing, I've, like, shown Curtis, my husband, um, in, like, raw forms, and he's been very supportive, and it's it's cool, like, you know, he's just, like, excited that I was writing, and ex- he was also in theater um, and didn't end up doing that as a career, but um, we both have, like, a, like a love for that format and and education in that format as well um yeah so so he's like really supportive um about like the the different plays that I wrote over like you know that we I presented over zoom um during the pandemic and then this last play that I've been like kicking around in my brain um and and a a few pages maybe like five pages (laughs) it's very like you know, small, but, um, is about Christopher Columbus and him being kind of in the afterlife. And because he died, I found out he died thinking, always thinking that he had reached Asia. Like that's, he just always thought that the Caribbean was Asia. And, um, I'm like, really and this is the guy that we like is literally up on a pedestal <laughs> like, nobody ever managed to correct him like no no he wow. just like he's like i'm in asia <laughs> and so um <laughs> yes. name a day after him <laughs> and so you know all of the things like where people were like freaking out about like canceling columbus day or wanting you know like 
and, and it's like, oh, he's part of our American history. I'm like, well, he never came here, like, to our land of, like, the U.S. And then, um, and he thought he was in Asia, so he didn't give a shit about you, like, talking about discovering America, you know? Like, um, because he thought he just went to Asia um, and, and followed Marco Polo's uh, footsteps. So I thought that was a very funny premise for like some afterlife play where oh, sure. he's like his his like castle built on shifting sands is like crumpling. <laughs> like, oh no! Um, but I am not the best at dialogue. Um, I I'm good at setting the scene, but like I I have a hard. It, it's just it doesn't come as naturally to me, and especially comedy. Um, I love comedy, like to to watch, but. Um, I haven't like honed that um, as a skill, but my husband is incredibly funny and like very like quippy, and um, he was like so excited about this idea, and then he was like, "Oh, you should have this kind of character. You should have this, this, this." I was like, you know, and eventually I was like, "Can I just write it with me?" <laughs> like I was like, "We should write this one together because like I'm better at like oh like seeing the whole." like picture like you know and like story structure and like pull like plots mm. making sure that all works and he's better at like the actual like dialogue thing i think it would come more so that's on the table but <laughs> um, that's cool yeah we we haven't we we have a baby <laughs> Like we, we had a baby um January. Yeah, yeah, so we had that creation. Um and so so we've been taking care of the baby right now, but like at some point we'll we'll get back to it for sure. So yeah. Do you have any advice on like sort of navigating that type of relationship effectively in a way that like doesn't get anybody's feelings hurt or yeah. You know? I mean I think everyone has to have a sense of humor um, about it and kind of like, it, like for me, like it's not forgetting that he's my husband, but like try not to take criticism like personally, you know, like it, 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 if, if he corrects something for me or like, oh, this wasn't quite as clear. It's like, well, you know, but, you know, like try not to make it about anything else but the right thing. <laughs> Like, because I think that could be really easy to do because you have this like du dual triple relationship. Um, that's what I would think. Amy, what what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, same. A lot of times, my husband, when he's you know in editing mode, and he'll you know he's like, "Oh, come here, I found something." I'm like, "Really? I just wrote this. Like, you know, give me a second. Um, but <laughs> but I, and then again, it's super helpful too because so many times. I'm a terrible proofreader. I'll just read something and to me, it reads the way I want it to read and it's really not what it says. So I just have to be like, okay, but yeah, please write that down so I can, so I can fix it. Um, but yeah, my husband and I work together here too. So we've gotten real good at navigating, you know, all sorts of emotions. Wow. How did you meet? Cause this is, um, the, is this the same business that your parents had? And so how did he enter yeah. He, um, we work together. He has worked here for 17 years hmm. and we have just spent a lot of time together. He's what he was one of the only, um, summer employees because we, 
you know, there's only a handful of us in the summer. So he's been around for a while and we used to just sit, we would call it therapy time, right? Like way back, I was still married to my first husband and I had a baby. So at break time, we would just sit and have like therapy and we would all just talk. So we got to know each other just in a weird kind of off work way. Yeah. Well, that's nice though. You get to be friends you first. Then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was he trying to court you then? Because we're having therapy time? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. We never really got those vibes at all until a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, also on your website, um, to change gears a little bit, uh, you have a number of quotes from famous authors, such as like a diversity of folks, uh, Stephen King, Lemony Snicket, um, I think Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do these quotes uh, mean to you or why choose to highlight these particular authors and these particular quotes? Um I don't know. I love using quotes and things. I started, well, my whole novel, every chapter starts with a quote that kind of like frames out the chapter. And I've always, even in marketing, when I want to make a point, but I don't know how to say the point, I will find a quote that's applicable. Um, Right. I think they're a really useful tool in getting your point across without like showing it in people's faces. So they all just represent like, I don't exactly remember them. I know Stephen King's quote is about <sighs> scary. Oh, um, yeah, you know, horror. He tries to be intellectual, and if he can't, then he'll just go for like blood spurting and the gross out. He's like, I'm not proud. <laughs> yes, I love that because to me, it means like it's okay to have fun, right? Like it's okay if you just want to gross people out. Not everything has to have like this huge serious message it's great when your work has a message um but sometimes it can just be fun Mm -hmm. so to me that's what it means like kind of stay stay playful nice great um so shadow of love came out in may of 2022 um so that was very recent how how has that been um having having it published and whatever promotions you're doing for it (laughs) it's it's such a huge uh learning curve so at first it's nothing but like oh my god my book's getting published and you're so excited and then you have to do so many revisions right so it's a lot of hard work and then you get the cover which is really cool and then you wait and then i was able to get my book way ahead of release date so i could sell them at the mountain Oh, cool. Mm. So by the time the book came out, I was like, yay. It was so anticlimactic because everyone I knew had already read it and we had them like everywhere at work. Um, Yeah, but it's really cool. But the self-publishing thing is difficult for me. Mm. Um, Not good at at talking up my own work. Like I'm really good at talking about my business, right? And Mm. skiing, but not necessarily about me personally. So I'm kind of learning how to navigate. Like sometimes I'll have come, like I'll go through a whole week and other people will be like, oh, well, don't forget to mention that book you wrote. I'm like, oh yeah, I wrote a book. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. Um, but I guess it's just a learning curve. Like I've learned 
you know, about doing Amazon ads and Facebook ads and um, bringing your books to all the libraries. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, especially with a, with a small publisher. Cause you know, we're supposed to take a lot of that on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And how did you connect with them? Um, basically I sent out query letters to, I don't know, 50 people, um, agents and publishers and, you know, some got back to me, they all take a while. Um, but some got back to me, (laughs) but they were the first ones that were like, um, you know, yes, you know, we would love to publish your book. And that was that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and this was your thesis, right? Or this grew out of your thesis. Yes. How else, uh, or how, how else has Goddard sort of affected your life since uh, you graduated? I mean, uh, I know you stay in touch with a couple people, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess I, I feel like those supernatural experiences we were talking about, like, must have helped lead you to Goddard, because that was one of the things you said, right? That it feels sort right. of comfortably haunted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, has Goddard helped lead to other experiences like that? Like sort of the reverse of that? Um, I think what Goddard did besides giving me people like, like you guys, right. And now the writing group, which helps me, it helps me to continue to write and to remember that I'm a writer. Um, but being there has shown me that there's, there's a different, there's more out there maybe than I was used to seeing every day. You know, you get used to your life being a certain way and then all of a sudden you see a different path. So it's shown me that there is a different path. Um, there's a different way of life. I've never really been around just a group of writers. And it was so cool. I was like, oh, like, like these are my people. Yeah. And it was hard then to leave, you know, to leave and to come back and you're thrown back into this working world. But it did show me that there is a different life. So I don't know. Sometimes that's a hard thing because, you know, this this is my life. And then you're looking at something else. But then you kind of think, okay, how can I mesh them together? How can I remember that I'm a writer while I'm at work? And how can I remember that I run a business while I'm writing? I have to keep that. I have to keep that healthy balance. So how does remembering that you're a writer help you uh, while you're at work? Like, how does that sort of change your perspective about them? It helps me to see that, to get out of my box. Because for so long, I was focused on one thing, right? And it was just my business, skiing, snowboarding, tubing, like that was my whole life and you become, uh, you know, obsessive about it. Like that's all you see. That's all you talk about. But now, not that those things don't matter, but you, I kind of relax around like big issues, customer issues, things, the weather, because I, I also have writing, you know, it's, it's taking up more and more space in my brain, which I think is maybe helping me to be a better um, leader to my people because it's not all about work all the time. And when you can see that, it doesn't mean that you're not working or trying to go do a good job. But if you remember that it's about connecting with people, you know, it doesn't matter if you're writing or if you're talking about your business, it's kind of all the same. Mm. And it helps you, I think, connect with people. Mm. That's really cool. I, that's really interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love that. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds like 
after you gave yourself space to to be a writer, it's like it's it's what I talk about like when people ask like, oh, why did you know, I, I studied humanities um in my undergrad and you know, there's all this like argument about like college and like why should people study the arts? <laughs> um, and to me, it's all always like, duh. Obviously, it makes you a better human. <laughs> like, yes, so, that's kind of what it feels like, you know. Like no matter what the business you end up working in, um, it it gives you like you know, especially as a writer, like in, in fiction, um, uh, like narratives. Um, I think it would just make you more in tune with observation and people and relationships and all of that (laughs) right yeah and what else it's done it gives me easy access to seeing both sides of the story Mm -hmm. right so I can like go into a situation and I'm not just looking at it from one view I can kind of see the whole circle or I can imagine the whole circle which really helps me I think to be kinder uh when things get crazy here yeah I mean I I love that. Um, it makes me think of my 12th grade English teacher would always say uh, that we read literature when he was like, you know, sort of arguing to parents night, like why his class mattered. Because <laughs> uh, he had a lot of parents who were like, well, why should my son care about this instead of math or whatever, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, so you'd always say we read literature to explore human truths and to uh, sort of cultivate an understanding about these questions that seem to have followed us for centuries like what is love or you know um and art in general tries to provide some sort of insight into that you know even if it's something that you're just doing for fun there always seems to be an element of insight even into like yourself you know like even stories that i've written for you know just fun i've looked at later and been like oh i guess this was like a thing that i wanted to say or was working through you know so it's it's interesting hearing you talk about how that fits into your own life yeah well we've had you come through the summer so this is this was like your creative time right like before the mountain starts getting busy again. So what have you right. been working on this this past summer? Oh, so I, as Sam knows, I have started probably six novels because I brought all of them to our writing group. Mm-hmm. They're all and... great. I'm intrigued by them. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Write them all. <laughs> um, so I love, you know, be, the, be, the beginnings. It's like a new relationship. And then like there's something else shiny in it. I was having a really hard time focusing just in my personal life. Sometimes it's really hard to, to focus. And then I finally settled on this story that kind of, it sits in the same energy that I'm living in right now. And it kind of answers questions that I'm having, like, Hmm. what is my purpose in life kind of stuff? It's a story about reincarnation. Oh, so I've been, it feels like a lot heavier than in my last story, but I am in it now. Like, like that's, that's the one. Okay. So whatever I sit down to work, that's, that's the one I'm working on. And I'm on chapter Aww. six, which isn't like mind blowing, but hey, it's decent. Good. Yeah. That's great. That sounds good to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read pages from this, Sam, or, or heard pages from it? 
Um, I think so. This is the one you've brought in a couple chapters of. I brought in a couple chapters, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you've heard the first chapter, maybe the second, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear more. Um, <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, you have to go back to writer's group before the season starts. I know. <laughs> when does your season start? It depends on the weather. It can be as early as Thanksgiving and as late as like Christmas. Last year was super late. It was like after Christmas, which was wow. it's scary in the ski business to not have snow on Christmas. Um, but it's usually like mid-December. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So Mount Peter, if you're looking for somewhere to ski, dear listeners, Mount Peter is the place. Yeah. Do you have a website for Mount Peter? Peter? We do. It's just mtpeter.com. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, nice and simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Plug that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you uh, do you have anything? I, I know I asked you this before we started recording, but uh, do you have anything that you want to plug that's coming up anytime in the next few months or any last thoughts before we close up? Um, well, I guess I would want to plug just a shadow of love yes. <laughs> or visiting amyshippiehub.com. So it's on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Great. Um, yeah. And I don't know, hopefully in the next couple of months, I will be able to finish the story I'm working on and nice. I'll definitely keep you posted on that. <laughs> Sweet. Nice. Looking forward to hearing more about it. Cool. Thank you. Thank yeah. you both for having me. This yeah, thank you so oh much gosh. for coming, Amy. You're welcome. This is a really you. nice, I feel like, a lo-fi, just nice chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like a nice, like, coffee chat. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It was so fun to talk to you. I feel like, I mean, I've known you for a few years now, right? But I feel like I learned so much more about you. So this is really fun. <laughs> me and uh yeah i i thought a shadow of love was great i'd recommend it to anybody listening thank you awesome thank you so much thank you This podcast is a project of Goddard Alumni Association. It is produced, hosted, and edited by Sam Rubline and Amanda Faye Laxon. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or would like more information, please visit goddardalumni.com slash podcast. And please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.